0: Can I say
1: something that's maybe gonna piss you off a little bit? Never stopped you before. Well, I'm this this is gonna this is gonna be a slightly more personal attack. Uh Uh-oh.
0: So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always and never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope.
1: of this moment. The force is strong.
0: Make ten men feel like a 100 i We'll take the next chance. And the next. Time. You're all rebels on you? Jesse, a.k.a.
1: The Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle, thank you. (laughs) The Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah.
0: The Bizzle. All right, BizzleCast listeners, welcome back to the BizzleCast. I'm here with my good buddy, Matty G. We're doing a little potpourri podcast, talking about all sorts of stuff today. Um, and as I just talked about with Matt off mic, we're going to be doing a lot of just like a baseless hypothetical speculation about the future of various nerd properties and, and various things going on. But before we jump into some uh, random topics, Matt, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks. I, uh Think of this as late night stream of consciousness ramblings, uh, because it is pretty late at night that we're recording this, so we'll see where this goes.
0: Yeah, so really quick about that, um, does this make us uh, super smart or super crazy that we're always up this late thinking about or actually doing podcasts? Well, the the answer
1: to your question is yes, but (laughs) my work schedule also means that I am typically up at this late at night, so...
0: Yeah, it actually works out well Even though you're a sports reporter and I'm a tutor I normally work from like 12 to 8 So, you know, or 12 yeah. to 9 So it actually works out well So, um, so um yeah, okay So we're just going to run through a bunch of topics We'll start with a few specific things and Then we're going to jump into some, to some larger uh, topics But Matt, I finally did see Deadpool 2 um, I wanted to talk about this briefly with you Because I feel like you sure. and I had a very different experience with Deadpool 2 So I'd be interested to hear on the podcast your experience of Deadpool 2.
1: Okay. I like Deadpool 2. I thought it did some things better than the first one. I Specifically, I thought the action set pieces were far better. I think mm-hmm. the convoy uh, escape, like attack scene is a better action sequence than anything that's in any of the first Deadpool movie. Um, and I thought the C-Beats was terrific uh, as Domino, and I look forward to seeing more of her because I think... She is going to be a bigger part of both whatever this, whatever like is left of the ashes of the X universe after this Disney Fox merger happens. Mm. And if, even if like she doesn't get more roles as Domino, I think she's going to get more roles in big movies in general. And I look forward to that. I just didn't think it was as funny as the first Deadpool was. And I think trying to be like more melodramatic and emotional is not the right direction to take this character because we have like a hundred thousand other sci-fi comic book characters that can be like soapy and emotional and wisecracking. We have Peter Quill. We don't need Deadpool to be Peter Quill. We want, I want Deadpool to be Deadpool. I want him to be just insane and hilarious at all times. And when this movie delved into more serious topics and more emotional beats, I thought it was at its weakest. And I thought it's where the storytelling got the most lazy in some respects, which hmm. we can get into when we talk about Vanessa.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we'll get back to Marina Baccarin. Um I'm not going to assume you listen to my Papa Bizzle podcast. Um, we loved the movie. Um, uh, and so I'm just going to make a couple quick points I, I can't disagree with any particular thing You said I guess but Um, it was definitely less funny like way fewer laughs but I did personally think the fusion of action humor and drama did feel smoother than the first movie where there were like humongous laughs and then there was the origin story which was like horrifying drama you know and then there was like these huge action set pieces and I think it's honestly man I think Deadpool 1 and 2 it's really a matter of just like what you're looking for in your comic book movies but all also in your Deadpool movies. I'm personally looking for more of what happened in Deadpool 2, and I agree. I can't even remember who the bad guys are in Deadpool 2. I honestly I don't even know. not and
1: he was cool.
0: Yeah. And Doctor Guy, who sucked, who was
1: worse than Ed yeah. Screen as Ajax, and I didn't think that was possible.
0: hmm Um, so I mean, look, man, you know I love the X-Men. Um I love the X-Men to death. Uh, the best case scenario from a lore standpoint from this movie was that it would help push forward X-Force and maybe some X-Men stuff. But for better or worse, this movie is setting up what I think is going to be the cooler part of the X-Universe going forward in the sense of I thought Deadpool might be in and out of like helping the X-Men or helping X-Force or whatever, but he's really set himself up through his relationship with Domino and Cable uh, and and Julian Dennison's character and so forth as maybe the leader of X-Force, which we do see in the comics.
1: Yeah, I I don't know a ton about X-Force, but I certainly see, it seems like from this perspective, from this arc that he's on, He is going to be the mainstay of X-Force. Maybe not. I would certainly say that'll be the case for the first X-Force movie. And then maybe, which, I mean, it's still, I'm not going to believe that movie is going to come out until I see a trailer for it. Mm -hmm. But assuming it happens, Mm -hmm. um, and assuming Disney doesn't just buy all the rights and say, fuck it, we're not putting out an R-rated X-Men movie, um, which is what X-Force would be. I think at least for the first one, yeah, you'd see Deadpool as the leader and then maybe they transition out to somebody else because by the time that movie gets made, maybe Ryan Reynolds is going to be just about done with doing this because I think he'll have been doing this for probably about nine years by the time we see an X-Force movie. Like I think we're not getting one till 2020, 2021 maybe.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to do a strongly disagree there because I think this role made his career. I think he loves it. And I think part of the reason they got rid of the original director, brought a new director, brought in new writers and different things was because he wanted more heart for the character. And yeah, dude, I mean, there was very little fourth wall stuff. I mean, how many times did he look at the screen in the movie compared to the first one? Like almost none at all.
1: You're right, but when he did it in the first movie, the jokes worked. Whereas in this one, there was that extended series of jokes comparing it to Passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, all of that, the whole, none of that, like, joke sequence, I thought, like, worked at all. I, I just, it didn't make me laugh as hard as when they broke the fourth wall in the first one. Now, like when the the new X Men cast show up in the background in that one scene, I thought that was great. I thought, uh, you know, my, f- you know, the line about I was fighting my arch enemy until we realized our moms were named Martha. I loved that. I they took a shot at Rob Liefeld, which I thought was terrific. So some of the fourth wall stuff worked fine, but you know, considering that Deadpool's hallmark as a comic book character is he's aware he's a, in a comic book. Mm-hmm. The fact that that didn't work this time is a a shortcoming compared with Deadpool one.
0: I don't want to spend too um, much time on this, man. But I, I, do you mind if I just push back on this one point really quickly on sure. you? Which is, we talked before either of us saw this movie, and you were right. like. I'm kind of done with the making fun of superheroes thing. And so true. I kind of thought maybe you would be into the fact that this was the Deadpool with a little bit more heart and a, bit, a little bit more, you know, love for lack of a better word, um than just the wisecracking making fun of superheroes thing.
1: No, I um so what I meant when I said that and I did say that is when Deadpool 1 came out, we were one month away from getting a Batman v. Super movie, Batman v Superman movie that I was already pretty resigned to knowing was going to suck, even if I did as much as I could to avoid reading reviews. And I, I I really tried to see that movie with an open mind, but I was pretty confident I was not going to like it by that point. We The last two Marvel movies before Deadpool were Ant-Man, which was mm. good but forgettable, and Ultron, which... L- most people will consider was a little bit of a dis a letdown compared with the first avengers movie i know you disagree i don't want to get into it so i was really at a point with deadpool one where i needed something to really tear the genre a new asshole and i mm-hmm. thought the movie mm-hmm. the first deadpool movie did that pretty successfully mm-hmm. but now i'm coming off of black panther mm-hmm. avengers infinity war and thor ragnarok and i'm feeling pretty upbeat and he, and the the tv shows have been good too so i'm not feeling like i need to have superheroes mm-hmm. crapped on quite as much as i did mm-hmm. you know two years ago and we're seeing death and one of the things we talked about in our deadpool review is that they killed people and that was very refreshing but we're seeing people die They're a pretty good clip now in the last couple of these marvel movies um so i feel like the genre is in a better place than it was two years ago and so yeah the need to have Deadpool be the outside character crapping on it isn't as strong. Mm-hmm. But the solution to that is not to turn Deadpool down a path that p- makes him more like all of these other superheroes. As I just said, we have the wisecracking, but also emotional and immature and mopey superhero. His name is Star Lord. We already have him. We don't, I didn't need Deadpool to become more like star lord if they were going to make a deadpool 2 i wanted them to mm-hmm. keep the specific characterization of deadpool mm-hmm. that made him unique and i think this movie made him less unique
0: mm-hmm. all right C- can i make a couple points on what you said because you just dropped a lot of of sub, uh, substantive stuff um sure the first is I, I'm I'm no longer going to try and defend Ultron because I don't really care if people like it or not. The user reviews right. show that people do like it overall, and the money makes it. But I, I still think it's a Joss Whedon movie, and and it did make fun of itself at times, and you know, uh, with, with the characters uh, more than most Marvel movies. It didn't break the fourth wall, but it does make fun of itself. Whatever. Two, I thought Thor Ragnarok was way more. um uh transgressive towards the uh, superhero genre even than Deadpool 1 I, I really, I tried to rewatch the Ragnarok man, I couldn't even get through the end, I love the middle act with Thor and everything with Jeff Goldblum but I thought it was Taika Waititi making fun of everything that came before him I thought he was trying too hard in uh, the way that Deadpool seems a little bit smoother to me in, in that sort of thing um, so Can I, I say something that's maybe yeah. going to piss you off a little bit? I mean, you love never stopped
1: you before well i'm this this <laughs> is gonna this is gonna be a slightly more personal attack Uh but you love thor and you love mythology and you love the mythology that underlies the actual thor the god the the real the real god but you know the the god that people worshipped at some point that stuff is all stuff that you have a real passion for and Taika Waititi made a movie that suggested everything about Thor, including the real-life mythology that underlies it, is not only silly, but it's inherently so flawed that any real civilization that was based on it would essentially be dooming itself to destruction at some point. That that the the imperialism and the colonialism at the core of you know how Asgard works was always leading it down a path to destruction that was inevitable. And that maybe made you feel like the movie was telling you what you like is silly and you don't like it because of that. Is there any truth to that, to that like 10 cent Psych 101 analysis?
0: I mean, honestly, I love the middle part of the movie that is more self-referential. I can't watch the end, which is like the poor man's Lord of the Rings, which is so horrible with Kate Blanchett, who's a very poorly realized villain. Um, I guess my point is it, it didn't mix for me the Taika Waititi like for example the constant like you know referencing you know Black Widow and Hulk like the sun's getting low big guy you know whole thing right. and blah 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 I actually thought that was funny and Whedon thought that was funny too he posted about how thought he thought that was funny um, but it didn't mix with the beginning and the end which felt more like Thor the Dark World I love Thor the first movie that's my thing I love Thor on Earth in the middle of the first movie i really don't like throw the dark world i didn't like the beginning or ending acts of, of, of the movie um i, I was okay with taiko itt playing with it i just thought he went too far at points. it felt to me like someone who was overcompensating a tiny 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 bit as opposed to ryan Coogler who slipped into that position as also a young indie director and felt way more comfortable than than taiko itt that's all i'm saying
1: sure i mean kugler also didn't he made a, a movie that had jokes in it, but he, he made a, a movie also that had a fairly serious message that just had humor in it. So I, I think maybe what each of them brought of those directors brought to their property was a, a very different mentality,
0: so I'm not sure the comparison is fair, but yeah. Um Well and just to, and just to bring it back, you know, I, I'm totally biased here because Cable was my favorite X Men growing up. And so the introduction and He was of- extremely good in Deadpool too. I mean he was I loved him. I thought he was, and you know, and and yeah, don't love. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. And and, you know, I sent you that photo of all my X-Men Messiah complex comics, but like the bottom line is to me, from what I understand, the 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 Cable Hope storyline as brought into Deadpool 2 is the closest to an actual comic book storyline in Marvel that I know of in a while. I mean, I know Avengers Infinity War was bringing in a lot. Black Panther did bring in a lot of Black Panther stuff, but it was its own unique story. This movie was a very, very, very X-Men story. And so, yes, I have to recuse myself a little bit because I love Cable. I love the notion of X-Force in the future and Hope and all the stuff that that it means and bringing in the X Men and bringing the X Men back after the horrifying X Men apocalypse. And I think part of the reason, by the way, they showed the cast from, from that was because the least, let me put it this way, the, the least bad part of X Men apocalypse, in my opinion, was the cast. It was the writing, the directing, the conception, and everything else that was terrible about Apocalypse. The cast itself was actually pretty good. And that's why I think Simon Kinberg directing uh, Dark Phoenix, it, when you bring in Logan and Deadpool and these things, has a chance. And so I I was swayed by that, but my dad could give two shits about that. And so, when we talked about it afterwards, he was like, "Yeah, I didn't really notice at the time, but he kind of liked the, the. He felt like the lore was authentic, I guess, even though he's not as familiar with it. And so, yeah, that would be my final thought on on the movie. Sure, I mean i, I I've never read an X Men
1: comic. I heard an interview with Ryan Reynolds where he said, "If you try to understand the actual backstory of of uh, I almost said Thanos, but." cable your head will explode because like from the outside looking in the era of x-men comics when cable was introduced was when it was at its most time jumpy most confusing most simultaneous alternate timelines at the same time and if you read all that stuff and could sort through it good on you that's awesome from from the outside looking in it was alienating it was off-putting And it made it really hard for me to want to try because I would just go to the comic store in my hometown every week and I'd glance at the covers and I'd glance through the comics and I would not have any idea what was going on. And cable in some ways was a symbol for me of what had gone wrong with comics in the 90s and Marvel Comics in the 90s, especially when, you know, Marvel Comics almost went bankrupt uh, and so, like to strip a lot of that down and simplify Cable's character and his origin and his motivations into what they did with Deadpool two. Mm-hmm. I think that was the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, well, and uh, it probably made it easier for Brolin. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it, and by the way, X Men Messiah Complex started in two thousand seven, and it was a spinoff okay. of the House of M. You know, and this is this is exactly I think one of the main reasons in terms of the comic books, Disney wants the x men so badly with Fox is that. wanda as as the scarlet witch works much better as the demented daughter of magneto than she does as just a hydra project which is what we have in the avengers right now because the house of m is what led to this entire thing where she tries to kill the entire thing and it goes from 2007 i think to 2010 all these comics that i have and so i did love cable conceptually growing up it was actually me getting back into comics a couple years ago when i started reading house of m x-men messiah complex and so forth that i really got into the Hope and and Cable story, because Cable's the one who's actually trying to save the world with Hope. The X-Men are acting like a bunch of idiots and assholes. You know Scott Summers is, is lost. Uh, uh, Professor X has lost his way. They're fighting constantly. Cable's trying to make things happen. Um, and so I'm interested to see. Um, but let's just stick to the movie for a second, and we'll talk on this one topic with the X-Men, then we'll move on, which is, we have Logan, which is in sort of the very near future, and then we right. get this vision of Cable and Hope and his wife, who which is sort of more in the future. And then, of course, we have the sort of end of the world, everyone in concentration camp scenario of X-Men Days of Future Past. And I'm curious whether they're trying to tie this all into the same timeline. Even in the comics, it's hard to tell. I I like what they're trying to do conceptually with it. I don't know what's going to end up happening. But X-Force definitely needs to be in the future. And so if they're setting up Deadpool, Cable, Domino, X-23, and so forth, doing missions in the future i'm all about that and that's that's basically what i took out of it that i'm excited about
1: um i don't know i mean i I don't think the movies have shown much interest in trying to get all of the the potential futures and alternate futures synced up it is not clear if brolin is from the same future as days of future past Mm -hmm. it is not clear if logan's future is supposed to segue into days of future past i don't I think the movies are super concerned with that and frankly i'm i'm not particularly concerned they with said that either not with
0: logan in particular yeah you're right Yep.
1: you know and, and i think the fact that uh Mangold didn't bother really to address any of that worked to his credit because it just let him tell the logan story he wanted to
0: tell yep. and that made for the best x-men movie that we've gotten mm-hmm. period um oh, by the way though the main writer on logan's screenplay was the blade runner 2049 writer but yeah
1: was Denny Villeneuve? No, he was
0: the director, and James uh, Mangold no, was right. the director. The writer was the was the Blade Runner guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there you go. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, no. I think Logan, in particular, they really tried to say this is a, an alternate future. Um, but I could definitely see the cable future leading to the X Men days of future past future. Doesn't mean they have to. Doesn't mean yeah. esthetically
1: they're very very yeah. similar looking without without yeah. a question. I mean, if we need to have X twenty three in it. And I'm guessing from the lore, she's in it. So then, yeah, it's got to take place in some future. Although there's no reason why the version of X-23 that they introduced couldn't just be another version of that character. It doesn't have to be the the girl from Logan grown up. Although mm-hmm. certainly I would like to see more of Daphne Keene because I really liked her in Logan. So... I guess that has to take place in the future, but if you don't want to have X-23 in it, then it could take place in in current day. Because all the other characters you haven't introduced, you have Domino, you have uh, Cable who can time jump, Mm -hmm. so you could set it whenever
0: you wanted. Mm -hmm. Can I make a very bold statement here? Sure. While Fox has nowhere near the organization and long-term vision as Marvel Studios does, obviously, I, I do think they have significantly more than the DCEU and I don't oh, of course I don't think it was a coincidence they brought in Olivia Munn to play Psylocke in uh, X-men Apocalypse where she didn't do very much Psylocke is a very important part of X-force uh, sure. in all the comics um, as are some of the other characters and by the time as you pointed out man by the time they get the X-force movies going Daphne Keene's gonna be like 16 years old so that's true I I, I I think they are planning and Simon Kimberg again the you know giving him the director's job you know they're, they're letting him help lead this journey i think towards a a future where we have raided our x-force pg-13 uh x-men and some a bunch of stuff on television but again uh and why don't we lead into the whole disney situation with this because this is a this is a, a you know a big effect obviously uh, on where right. this is going depending on where fox lands
1: yeah i mean i I th- I think my last thought just with Olivia mm-hmm. Munn is if she shows up in dark Phoenix, then that would m- maybe be a good sign that they want to keep her in. If she doesn't, then my guess is Psylocke would either not be in X-Force or they would just recast her. Um, I, I, you know, that was a good signing for sure, but I mean, she
0: looks just like her. I mean,
1: it's, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't yeah. look like the character. The costume looked right, I guess from, from the trailers, but eh. Yeah, and, and I don't know what the performance was because I didn't bother to see it because uh, it looked terrible. Um, well, she was but was mind controlled by Apocalypse,
0: actual, so you can't. Really, right, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, by I, the news. If, if she's not in this new one, then yeah. that would suggest to yeah. me that they're not really thinking she's in the long term yeah. plans for X Patrol or X Force. Yeah, it would the, be the, the point
0: speaking. is they're at least trying to get a plan going forward, which is more than I can yeah. say about DCWB.
1: Oh, oh, without a yeah. doubt dc has had one movie that was good in spite of its own complete managerial incompetence when it comes to this uh its comic book adapted movies I, I don't know why they are so bad at this but they are really bad at this um for people who don't know there's new reports that aquaman which didn't look good in the first place is now maybe going to face some delays or something it's having its own production problems i i shazam looks like the most sol the the production on most solid ground and as much as i like the costume on zachary levy my hunch is far like shazam is going to be the solo of the dceu movies that nobody is going to turn out for this because nobody actually cares
0: about shazam okay a couple things uh Bizzlecast listeners, Maddie and I are not going to talk about solo uh Star Wars story <laughs> just because I meant in terms of box office, not in no, terms no, no, of quality. No, 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 no. Business, no. You know? I'm just being i just being totally I just want to be totally honest with listeners, which is I've done a bunch of podcasts on this, obviously. You haven't yeah. seen it. I'm very objective in being like, I loved it, but it's total fan service. So if you're not a right. hardcore fan, I can understand that you wouldn't like it or be interested in it. So I got nothing more to say about that. I will say Disney fired the directors and hired yes. a brand. New director and reshot the whole thing and released it on time in 10 months aquaman's been in production for three four years and they can't release it on time
1: <laughs> sure and that's to say nothing of the flash movie
0: which i think has gone through four directors at this point i'm I thinking why do you think that is by the way matt because you and i were both ready to hate ezra miller i personally liked him in justice league we even talked a lot about this but it doesn't seem like look, let's put it this way it seems like ezra miller has enough potential to keep a director on that project
1: yeah i with uh, this is all baseless speculation, yep. but it seems to me that the DCEU is run by focus groups and mm. the w the people who are in charge of the DC films. and I guess that includes Jeff Johns, which is weird because he does a good job with TV show and comics, so I don't get why movies aren't working for him. but it just seems like maybe they're micromanaging everything and s- thus creating a shitty work situation and that's why directors and screenwriters leave or it may just be that they don't have one person with a guiding idea of what this universe is supposed to be, what the tone of these movies should be, what the tone of these individual movies should be and because of that they just keep hiring people mm-hmm. say make this movie then they don't like what they make, they don't give them any direction and then they leave. I mm-hmm. so it's either Mm-hmm. too hard to work there or too confusing to work mm-hmm. there or both that that's as so, far as i can tell mm-hmm. the situation
0: um, I, I i just want to run a thought by you along these lines i brought up another podcast but i just want to bring up here again which is i can see let's say aquaman releases on time and does okay i can right. see a path forward where aquaman does okay but I sure. cannot foresee a best case scenario where this movie makes not only a lot of money, but sets up both future solo movies and future team up movies based on Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, and Nicole Kidman. I just can't see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think broad, like, like speculation about box office. I think we're, I think a good Aquaman movie, or at least a competently made one, maybe does somewhere in the doctor strange territory. Like maybe it can make, you know, it's a winter release. So maybe like 600 to 700 million, something
0: in that range. Jason Momoa is no Benedict Cumberbatch. No,
1: he's not. And the MCU has the benefit of each movie that comes out, becomes like added publicity for the next Mm -hmm. one. And people kind of assume that Marvel movies are going to at least be decently made, mm-hmm. mostly entertaining, and probably at least worth the cost of your ticket, mm-hmm. even if there, you know, any given one is not going to be your favorite. Because they really have only had a couple of complete misses. The Inhumans was a miss. Yeah. You know, the Defenders was kind of a, a missed opportunity. Iron Fist was a train wreck. But other than that, they really haven't had a misstep since the Dark World. And Iron Man two, and those movies were yeah. a long time ago now.
0: So I love people just yeah. I was gonna say I love that you did the Doctor Strange comparison because I've done this before, which is Benedict Cumberbatch, even with a bad accent, took a shite origin story and made it kind of interesting. And right. he's so talented that now I'm act- with the Infinity War revelations and his performance in Infinity War, I'm really invested and interested in this character now. I can't see that happening with Jason Momoa and Aquaman under any circumstances.
1: Yeah, I certainly the screen presence Jason Momoa displayed in Justice League, which is his fault, is not his fault, whatever, very, very minimal. And I, I just I certainly he had almost no chemistry in that totally unnecessary scene with Mira, and if that is going to be the the like the central character like interpersonal dynamic mm-hmm. of the move of his own movie, yep. I am so not interested in. That. I mean, look, like I
0: let's just look at Game of Thrones season one, right? Right. You have the Stark storyline, you know, with everything around it, and then you across the sea with Khaleesi, and ja- right. um, and um, what was just uh, a Khal Drogo, right? So, Aquaman is as if, A, we're going to prioritize the Khaleesi storyline over the Stark storyline, which is not what happened. If you, you know, the, the, the fact that the Stark storyline was the main storyline of season one is part of why Game of Thrones got so popular and so great, as much as I love Amelia Clark and Khaleesi. So, you prioritize that st- the Kaldrogo Khaleesi storyline, and then you prioritize Kaldrogo over Khaleesi. I just can't see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I actually liked the Caldrogo Khal Drogo Khaleesi stuff more more than a lot of the Westeros stuff in season one, sure. which I think I think they were kind of still trying to find themselves in the first season of Game of Thrones.
0: But Amelia Clark the, is an award nominated actress across the yeah. board and was phenomenal. And she had in really a solo, good, yeah.
1: yeah, and she had really good chemistry with Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. But blame it on the writing or the lack of screen time or whatever else. His chemistry with uh, Amber Heard was not very was not particularly
0: good. But 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 um, what if they killed Khaleesi in season one <laughs> instead of Cal Drogo? It would have that never would worked. A much more boring show for without question. Yeah. Um. Yep. I mean,
1: I, in, in I, part because yeah. you yeah. know the other thing is Cal Drogo's lines are very minimal. You know, he says a couple of sentences here and there. So it was all sort of Jason Momoa, who is very well built. It's just sort of his physical presence. They decided to make, like, Aquaman a, a yuck-it-up kind of character. And I don't think Jason Momoa is nearly as good at delivering lines as he is at being physically imposing. Yep. Um, yep. And so if they're going to make another super talky thing with Aquaman, well, I think they're going to run into the same realization that he's, just, he's not mm-hmm. that good a vocal actor, um, not compared with his physical acting abilities
0: and look don 't jump all over me, but you know I actually like the justice or some a, a decent amount of things in the Justice League movie, even though there was yeah. a lot of problems. I did like it, but I agree with you and many other people's that, people that Aquaman was was the weak link, and I think the rest of the team had pretty good chemistry, even with some bad writing for Wonder Woman at points and so forth. The rest of the team had pretty good chemistry If you had just had Aquaman sort of come in at the end as like the extra muscle that they needed to win it it would have worked much better i do blame that on the writing more than him you know and he's even complained about the writing and justice league and, and, just uh-huh. and, and i i understand that but i agree with you he's a physical actor he does have charisma and he can be very funny he can be very physically imposing but as a lead actor for an entire franchise as i've said i, I feel like amber heard has to be the unsung hero for this movie to work and i don't know if that's going to happen
1: I have no idea. I mean, she got one line in justice league and didn't deliver it very well, which is not enough of a sample size to judge her. Um, I mean that, that, that whole scene where they go to Atlantis for 30 seconds, just so they can show mm-hmm. Steppenwolf stealing the cube. That entire scene did not need to be there. I, I wonder if they put it in there only because they had to give Amber heard one scene for like, yeah. Uh, uh, sag reasons or something like that. Um, so I, I have no idea what's going to happen with that movie other than on that I'm not particularly uh, excited to see so, it and probably won't end up seeing it.
0: Yeah, um, so as we, talk, as we keep the Baseless Speculation podcast going, um, so let me ask you this. Is it possible that the love of... Forget what people think specifically about the first Wonder Woman movie. People love Gal Gadot as a Wonder Woman. Sure. People fucking yeah. love... She, she, you know, she keeps She's winning awards. She's
1: the best awards. casting so far in yeah. that entire universe. She's one of the best casting decisions that, uh, Zack
0: Snyder has ever made. Yeah, and, and just people love her. People absolutely love her. So is it one of those things where it's like it is a blessing that they have Gal Gadot and they're making Wonder Woman 2, which should make well over a billion dollars finally for them, if it's good. But at the same time, it's making everything so much harder because the other actors are either not committed or not particularly good.
1: No, I think it's unilaterally a good thing for Warner Brothers. Although I will say, in this political climate, I could see a situation where enough people are pissed off about something stupid related to wonder woman that they find some way there's some carryover effect that actually hurts its box office performance. Hmm. I'm not saying that's the right way to behave or anything like that, but if something like that happens, some kind of backlash against me too, or or something, 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 I, I don't know how these idiots think if that were to happen and it, w- and it were not to make a billion or, or 900 million, that would not totally surprise me. It would be sad, but I mean, you got to admit that's something that could happen in this climate roaring right now.
0: Yeah, I just think the fact that she's fighting in 1984 during the Cold War and there it's filming in DC, it seems like it's going to be a pretty patriotic movie. Actually, um, I could be wrong yeah, about that. Um, yeah, but
1: the anti-Russian thing, people are going to spin that as promoting. Maybe. I, I'm not. I'm not saying any of this is right, but I'm in my head. I can think of some right-wing asshole spinning some kind of message about mm-hmm. how this is secretly all about Hillary Clinton and the Democrats' efforts to tie Trump to Putin. Mm-hmm. Like, you can hear this argument forming in your head, right? Even if it's completely well, baseless and, and yeah. whack job, mm-hmm. it's going to exist, and mm-hmm. I could see it having a negative effect on box office.
0: I'm just saying here would be it's my a possibility. Here would be my counter-argument, Matt, is that Wonder Woman came out June of last year, Right And not only featured the most empowered female lead superhero we've ever seen on screen, but the whole Themyscira thing. And she openly talked about men being kind of disposable and so forth. It was funny and it was cute, but she did say it. Um, Yeah and then you have the last nice
1: for pleasure but they're so, yeah. they're nice for re- yeah. they're needed for reproduction but otherwise more or less irrelevant
0: and then you have the last jedi five months later uh, with, with right. a lot of empowered female characters and that caused way 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 more of a problem now part of that is because the asshole uh, extremist star wars fans are are even way yeah. worse than the asshole extremist dc and, and marvel fans but i personally yeah. don't think unless patty jenkins goes way overboard I, i'm not saying wonder woman's immune to it but i do think that they are going to try and make their political themes more subtle than than the last jedi Um, we will see the results of that
1: where they won't literally
0: tell the fans kill the past it's you know
1: buried if you have to that is certainly possible i certainly would welcome that i'm just saying in my own head i'm hearing i'm reading the the fox news op-ed Two years before it's been written, I'm I'm just saying, prepare for that possibility. Mm -hmm. Hope it doesn't happen. Hope Mm -hmm. we can all be a little bit more mature about how we talk about movies about made up people wearing silly costumes. But that could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I? And if and I wouldn't put it past Warner Brothers and their incompetence to misread what a a, like a what a weaker than they expect box office means Mm -hmm. and make another bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying yeah. there's like a doomsday scenario that I, I can't get mm-hmm. past because I'm a fatalist. All right.
0: Th- three quick points about this. One, the main problem, the, the main uh, explosion post last Jedi was the portrayal of Luke Skywalker and the interpretation of the portrayal of Luke Skywalker. Uh, two, the other problem with the Last Jedi in a lot of people's eyes was that the women were the bosses in every case yes. in that movie, and the wi- and the and the men were hapless. And I even have complained a little bit, like about Poe Dameron, for example, feeling out of character and so forth, just to get a certain point across, or like how Rose and, and Finn's uh, you know story should have been more complicated and not just him lecturing him all the time. I don't really care because I'm a feminist and I'm fine with this stuff, but I can see where it's coming from. It was a right. lo- little over the top um but three we've talked you know well i don't say we've talked but i i've talked i think with you about what i think what's great about wonder woman is that her power comes from her femininity whereas ray is until the third act right but ray but ray is um you know ray and the other female star wars characters are just women doing things better than the men as the men do it i guess i would say um, you know, Ray being the better Luke Skywalker or whatever, um, and so I think Wonder Woman's character actually goes over better, uh, you know, with, with with the mainstream because honestly, the amount of hate and trolling dur- before, during, and after Wonder Woman was so much less than I was expecting, and I guess that's where my cautious optimism is coming from. I think that's certainly true, um, and it does seem like.
1: I don't want to debate relative numbers, but it seems like the Star Wars fans who have a rod up their ass are louder and more easily agitated than the DC fans do. So, yeah, it seems like they are much more easily agitated into like a a shitstorm than DCEU fans are, even though I think there are still 20 of them on a corner in California asking for the Snyder Cut of Justice League to be released. Yeah, so I was going
0: to say, I don't know what's worse is the various Snyder Cuts of Justice League or the Star Wars fans who are trying to raise money to remake The Last The Star Jedi. Wars
1: fans <laughs> are way worse because those fans and what they're trying to do is permeating the pop culture conversation at large. Mm-hmm. People have moved on from talking about pissed off DCEU fans. We moved on two weeks after Justice League came out, which was two weeks before Justice League left the theaters, uh you know dceu fans the shitty ones are completely ignored except on their own little like subreddits where they yell at each other Mm -hmm. star wars fans make news when they go crazy you know when they attack an actress on social media that becomes a national story i can't remember the last time i saw a cnn story on shitty dc or marvel fans
0: Yes, but on the on the other hand, Matt, you have to realize that the like for example, the the numbers they're releasing from Star Wars Celebration which sold out in about 3 seconds next year is like almost half and half male and female. Um, which is not the case. So the problem is the extremist, you know, 10 or 20% Star Wars fans, or maybe it's more, are really, really horrible. But among the yes. new fans, there are a lot of young female fans fans, more so even than the comic book movie. Let's be honest, man. The reason Avengers made two billion dollars was it was a dude movie. It was mostly about dudes, starring dudes, with females in side roles, and it was good enough and enough female roles that women would go to it, but it was still mainly a guys movie, I would say. Um, the Star Wars fan, the Star Wars fans are much more balanced gender-wise, which makes the attacks on people like Kelly Marie Tran and Daisy Ridley that much more upsetting, offensive, and just yeah, horrible.
1: I, I mean, the take on Star Wars, I agree with completely. I don't think you can make two billion dollars if your movie is not attracting a lot of women. I'm I'm sorry, I I just don't see it. I And I know lots of women who saw it and loved it. You know, you can call it a dude's movie if you want. Certainly, the leader in each of the little subgroups, uh, you know, that winds up doing anything in these movies is a male superhero. And, and that is problematic. Uh, but I don't...
0: I, the I only don't see- major dramatic character in Avengers was Zoe Saldana, specifically so she could get murdered for Thanos' mission. Yes, yeah. That is true. I mean, no, I'm just I'm just talking about num- I'm just no, obviously tons of women are seeing Avengers and love it. I'm just saying if you look at the numbers, it's close, it's more like 60-40 ish from what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, have you actually yeah.
1: read a story that says that or yeah. not? And even if it is 60-40, I mean, what's 60% of a 2 billion dollar box yeah, office or 40%? I mean, that's 800 million dollars. Mm-hmm in women going to see it that's a, a lot a lot of women yeah. so but, but, either but there are lots yeah. of women who don't mind seeing a dudes movie or there's more to infinity war than just calling it a dudes movie that's mm-hmm. that's all I'm trying to say
0: no but I'll, I'll, what, what I'm saying is okay can I I'll just bring it back to the bizzle cast experience real quick which is right. for the last Jedi the four contributors that loved the movie the most uh, of my contributors was you Right. alistair yeah britney and jedi geek girl okay. okay two of those people are women one of those people is a gay and the other one's you um, and so, you know, the fact that that was so, was so strong in the female category was very, 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 very appealing. And, and I think as much as I love Gal and Wonder Woman, Ray has been a transcendent character for young girls and women and so forth. And that's why I think Agreed. as horrifying as this Kelly Marie Tran thing is, ultimately she's in the right environment, and people, you know, are expressing, you know, in great numbers how much they love her, and you know, Disney's the right place to be for that. And I think, man, like to to tie back to the DCEU, gals, I mean. She has the fucking strength, the inner strength to do this on her own, but they better find some other female characters in the DC universe because if it's just Gal, it's going to be a tough ride.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that is certainly one of the problems is, you know, if you look at the Justice League roster over the years in the comics, it was always... You know, 80% male and a couple of women. Wonder Woman was the big one, but in its origin, you know, Black Canary. Well, Black Canary is not nearly as popular a a female character in the comics as Wonder Woman is, you know, and there isn't really a second option that's, you know, really going to do it. If they make a Green Lantern core movie, okay, well, then you got a few different women you can talk, you can use. You can use human women who have been Green Lanterns, um, which I'd love to see. Mm -hmm. You got, half a dozen different pretty well-known alien ones. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a problem in comics because comics for a very, very long time were written mostly for men, that mm-hmm. there were not a lot of well-fleshed out mm-hmm. women who were really given a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, I don't think, was until like the 80s or maybe the 90s that we really started to see growth in numbers of like mainstream like frontline women in comics. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, as the Baseless uh, Speculation Podcast rolls on to the final segment, I have one specific question about, the, the, about Marvel and then I want to ask you about some TV shows that I have no, no idea about but would sure. love your opinion. So really quickly, why do you think Scarlett Johansson has been so free of criticism and even a lot of dudes who aren't normally into this stuff would love a Black Widow movie?
1: <laughs> Can I give you my cynical answer? hmm because she looks sexy in that latex leather costume. Okay. No, I mean, her performance has been... They've never been bad. I mean, I mean, I guess her performance in Iron Man 2 was not great, but nobody blames her for that. you know, and she's been good to very good in all the roles she's been given. Um, so, people don't have a reason to dislike her performance. And there are probably a decent number of fans who watch... Watched a movie with a figurative hand down their pants. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think nobody has ever minded Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of her. But I also think the reason why it's taken so long to get a Black Widow movie is some combination of the fans have never really, there's never really been a huge outcrying for it from the fan base at large. And also maybe Isaac Perlmutter, this super shitty guy who's still sort of involved with Marvel, uh, maybe was blocking efforts to, uh, to do it for a long time. And, and it was only recently that they finally removed him from the levers of power enough to get the ball rolling on that. Hmm. I, I think um, so I would Some be, combination of yeah. those two factors.
0: I, I think I would be slightly less cynical. I think Scarlett Johansson and Zoe Saldana. Forget the Marvel. In general, those two actresses are beautiful actresses, but charismatic and uh, relatable. They're both
1: extremely talented actresses. But I think people just love question. them in
0: general. Like people love yes. Zoe in the Star Trek movie. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. So okay, okay, dude. Um. Well, to bridge into some TV stuff, really quickly, we talked about w- women in DC. I mean, right. you know, probably other than just weak writing, one of the main reasons I gave up on the CW was because of how the women were being written for and portrayed in CW. I don't know where you're at with it at this point uh, and if they've improved that situation at all.
1: Um, It depends show to show. Mm-hmm. Arrow made some very weird narrative choices all season in how it used multiple characters, not just the women, namely Felicity and Doppelganger Laurel. It just, Arrow was really all over the place. And I I don't exactly know what they're going to do next season. It seems like they're setting up something like what would have been the Supermax movie that never got made. Um, I don't know if you know what that is. I think I heard of
0: it, but I don't know anything about it.
1: There was this script circulating through Hollywood for a long time for a movie called Supermax, where Oliver Queen gets arrested, gets thrown in like supervillain jail, loses his bow and arrow, and he has to kind of fight his way out for some reason. It was talked about for a while. I think it was maybe even there were some casting announcements and it never got made. Well, Arrow ends with him agreeing to turn himself into federal authorities in exchange for their help in doing blah, blah, plot stuff, blah, blah, blah. So it seems like maybe they're going to, like take some of the, the unused ideas from this so- Supermax movie and make it next year. So maybe that could be cool. Um, you know, they put the flash in jail for three episodes this season and it was fine, but it was, you know, it came and went. So I don't know how next year doesn't just feel like recycling what the flash already did. Um, I thought the flash used its women quite well. Um, they introduced a new speedster named Nora Allen, who is, uh, flash and iris's daughter from the future who can time travel and she's kind of quirky but she's also very powerful and and it seems like she's going to be a major character next year so i'm excited for that supergirl did a better job this year of actually making the show about supergirl than it did last year when she was just sort of a a passenger in this story that was mostly about uh her sister yeah that's ML. what lost me
0: that's what lost me on the show is that last year was like that, or that this year was No, like that, that it became not about Supergirl. Lot, this year was night, yeah.
1: definitely about Supergirl okay. you know, about her, you know first coming to grips with her loss of Monel and then, you know, kind of a lot of it is this season was about the conflict between her Kryptonian identity that she still very mm-hmm. much pines for mm-hmm. uh, and the human identity and the human family that she actually has. Mm -hmm. and how do you balance being from two worlds it's been it gets revealed that argo the city she's from managed to survive krypton's explosion so her mother is actually still alive and there is a kryptonian colony that she goes to visit for a couple of episodes so you know it's interesting to see her kind of her dynamic with her mother who they they recast as a smallville actress named erica durance which is kind of nice um you know, so I, I thought they did more with the women in their in their lineup this year than last year, which is tough to do, considering that it's a pretty empowered feminist show in general uh, and legends. I liked what they do did with the women there. So, you know, it's it's 50 it's it's I guess each teach their own. But I, I thought how most of the shows used the women in their in their uh, rosters, I thought they did it better this year than last year.
0: Okay. Can, can, can I be overly um, – simp- uh, can, can I overly simplify this situation based on seeing various numbers of seasons, and it's been like a year or so since I've seen sure. them? You can certainly jump on me about this, which is Melissa Benoist, when they're letting Melissa Benoist, being Melissa Benoist, and Katie Lotz, when they're letting Katie Lotz being Katie Lutz, That's And they I'll- let
1: Katie Lotz be
0: Katie Lotz a lot this season. And yeah. this was the best season of Legends by far. That's what I want to see. But L- Laura Lance, <laughs> Iris West, and, and, uh, Felici- and Felicity Smoke, just the way they've handled them over the years has just been infuriating. I noticed you didn't, notice, you didn't mention any of those characters. I mentioned Felicity by name, only in that they made some odd
1: choices with her, just like yeah. with everybody else on that show. Iris West turned into the leader of the team this year for Team Flash, and they also took some steps to rebuilding her identity as a reporter. So, you know, she is not the princess that needs to be saved that she was last year or maybe even the year before as well. So I actually thought they did a better job with Iris this year than last year. Um, you know, and there's a little bit too much of the we're married and "and I love you stuff. But I didn't mind it that much. So I, I thought Iris West was used better this year. Um, I, I came away with a much higher opinion of that character than I did a year ago at this point. Um, okay. And this is all in, in stark comparison to Legion, mm-hmm. which made a really bad tactical mistake in some, hmm. in something that happened to, um, Sid at the end of season two. And it, they're either going to have to undo it or maybe kill, david howler at some point in the next two seasons because they they really fucked up with her let's put Um, the
0: spoiler warning on so you can tell us what happened
1: all right so season two is it's super fucking confusing what happens but but basically they get a message that in the future they need the shadow king who is the bad guy from season one to get his his physical body back because There's an apocalyptic war coming, how X-Men of them, and they need him actually to save the world. And it gets revealed that the bad guy is David Howler, that he turns into Legion and he becomes like the killer of everybody and they have to fight him. And so this whole season is about kind of showing people how violent and vicious David Howler actually is. And in the last episode sid tries to um shoot him and he stops her and then he fucks with her memory to make her forget that she did that and then when she's in this sort of addled state recovering from this brain alteration he has sex with her and later in the episode they put him in a like a cage for a little while and she says you drugged me and you had sex with me and his whole defense is, I, I'm a good person. I deserve love. And it's all this, you know, competing narratives. But if you watch the scene, there is no way to think what he did would not be considered sexual assault, rape, non consensual sex, whatever words you want to use for it. He, you know, he basically rapes Sid. And it's very hard to have any sympathy left for his character after that. So moving towards next season, they're going to either have to cut all the emotional weight out of that act by undoing it, or like, uh, that didn't happen, the Shadow King made him do it or something, mm-hmm. or he's going to have to be the full-on bad guy and they kill him, and it seems like three seasons in is very early to be pulling the trigger on the kill-your-main-character plot device. Well, like, this was a. Big tactical mistake by mm-hmm. Noah Hawley.
0: Well, hopefully if Disney buys Fox, then Jessica Jones can snap <laughs> his neck.
1: <laughs> or something, yeah, right? I mean, Jessica Jones, at least Kilgrave, knew what he was doing. I mean, he was gaslighting every all the women in his life because he gets off on that, but he knew what he was doing. Uh, David Holler and the show in general doesn't quite seem to understand the weight of what he does in the final episode, which mm. is too bad because... Mm -hmm. The 10 minutes leading up to that is this really cool animated psychic battle between the Shadow King and him where he's singing, like, the darkest version of Behind Blue Eyes by the Who that you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool. And then this scene happens, and it ruins all of that. It Mm -hmm. kills all of the momentum it had after the first, like, eight or nine minutes.
0: So this this will tie uh nicely uh, as we sort of head towards the finish here. Um <laughs> you've been wanting to talk about morena Baker and in, in Deadpool. Um Yeah, but actually has a good tie back. Well done. Yeah, but uh but Gotham um and look i'm not i'm not gonna say i don't watch gotham i don't watch shows like gotham or legion or agents of shield for the reasons you or tv
1: in general right or
0: tv general, but specifically these sort of shows that are kind of tied in kind of alternate universes kind of this kind of that right with something as bizarre as x-men again i can speak more on x-men than batman and stuff like that but like you have to go for it you know And like, whether you agree what, that Deadpool should have gone for it or not in Deadpool 2, I think it should have. You'd feel less so. I'm sure people are split about it, but at least they just went for it. Like, there's going to be an X-Men tie-in movie, whatever. They just went for it. Like, this is the fucking X-Men. These sideshows, these little, you know, little sideshows that they do that are kind of tied in, kind of not. I mean, look, with the CW, it's just an alternate universe. So you just go with it. You're like, this is the Flash on the CW and then we got a Flash in the movies and whatever. That's fine but these sort of tie-ins where they're like i mean do they think they're being like really clever subtle and artistic by like not telling us how tight in these things are or not like it just pisses me off and i want nothing to do with it personally
1: yeah i mean and and that's a specific complaint i have about gotham and from what i can tell it's a complaint i would have about krypton if i bothered to watch it but i just I, i can't with krypton Um, is I can't tell what version of Batman Gotham is building towards. It doesn't seem like it's building towards the Snyderverse. It takes a lot of its cues from the Nolan approach, but it doesn't seem like they're really... I don't think we're supposed to think David Mazuse is going to grow up in a Christian Bale. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, it's a little unclear what this Batman is supposed to be. Um, and I think maybe that's kind of the, the the rot at the foundation of Gotham is I can't I'm still trying to figure out what unique take this is supposed to be what point this is supposed to make about Batman they've already made so many choices with Bruce Wayne's childhood that are different from comics canon that there's no way this guy is going to turn into you know comics Batman or Kevin Conroy '90s cartoon Batman or certainly not Adam West Batman but each of those, I felt like had a had mm. something they were going for, mm. and I can't quite figure out what Gotham is trying to go for, other than being sort of a a, a collage and a not always well put together collage of all of these previous incarnations. Mm. Um, without because, yeah. like mm. you know, Cameron Monaghan's Joker is heavily inspired by Heath Ledger's Joker, mm. but he's not Heath Ledger's Joker. And he's, his aims are not quite the same. He's not the true anarchist that mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker was. So what is this Joker supposed to be? Um, yeah. And hell, Jerome turns out to not even be the Joker. It's his brother. So it, it's – I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that is the question with Gotham especially and I guess maybe Krypton is mm-hmm. what, sto- what is the story you're telling about these characters and why are you telling
0: it? Mm-hmm um this so about batman uh one quick observation and one question for you um one right. quick observation is whatever you think about the arkham batman games and the telltale batman games what's great about the video games is that you just are batman and you get to decide what kind of batman you want to be and they're not hung up on all this origin story bullshit which you know i get sick of especially with batman um because oh, yeah. how many times can you
1: watch the waynes get shot at yeah. some point it's just perverse yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and the video games don't dwell on it whatsoever. I mean, it, it, it mentions it and it can come up, you know, uh, when Cobblepot's been gone for a while and he comes back, blah, 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 blah. But like, no, right. it just, it, they don't get hung up on it with video games. You get to decide, you know, do you want to be the badass Batman? Do you want to be the humanitarian Batman? Whatever. Like, you can decide what you want to do. So I, I like that about the games. My question for you, though, is, uh, <laughs> Was it a fatal flaw to say ahead of time and after the fact that the Dark Knight trilogy was completely removed from everything else? Or is the incompetence at DC so bad that it didn't matter whether it was connected or not?
1: I, I feel like DC, Warner Brothers didn't know what to do with the, with the Nolan Batman movies once they ended. And yeah, they messed up because Batman v Superman there are a lot of visual clues that certainly seem like they were inspired by the Nolan movies. And we know that Christopher Nolan had some probably minor role in producing Batman v. Superman. So it seems like the DCEU can't get out from under the shadow of the Nolan movies, but it can't make a movie as good as Batman Begins or The Dark Knight or... I mean, even Dark Knight Rises, which I'm not crazy about. I love Dark
0: Knight Rises. I know you love d- <laughs> Dark Knight Rises.
1: I don't think it's that good, but I think it's better. It's, it's than- like
0: Ultron for me. I, it's just great popcorn, and comic book stuff for me. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: sure. I, I mean, I don't. I certainly think it's better than Batman v Superman or Man of Steel or Suicide Squad or Justice League. It's not as good as Wonder Woman. No, um, but it is but very, it's yes. still the second best yes. DC live action movie that we've gotten since the dark knight and that's like fucking sad because the dark knight was 12 years ago now i think
0: yeah just really quickly i will add batman begins is a much better artistic achievement but in terms of like a movie that i just like to watch with popcorn on a random night i'll watch dark knight rises because just again i get sick of the origin story stuff but yes i agree with everything you just said right Think of the devil and he will come. <laughs> I love Vane. I love them all. Yeah. Um so um all right dude, so here's here's what we're going to do. I want to give you your piece about Marina Bakerang cuz we love her. I know you have something right. to say. And then I want to ask you about one or two shows uh if it, and then one or two movies and then we'll wrap okay. up. So let me give you your piece about Marina Bakerang, Woman in the fri- the refrigerator so forth. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: Deadpool fridged. Vanessa, Miranda Baccarina's character. And if people don't know what that is, I'll explain it. The phrase comes from a a Green Lantern comic in the mid-1990s. Kyle Rayner has just gotten the Green Lantern ring. He got it like one episode prior. He barely knows how it works. He doesn't know anything about the war with Hal Jordan. That's like going to be – he's going to be a key member of one year from now. He's basically just using it to show off to his girlfriend who just dumped him. She thinks it's pretty cool. He goes off. When he comes back, he finds that a bad guy named – it's either Major Force or Major Disaster, I can't remember which, who he's never heard of. He doesn't know he has any enemies yet, but this guy has broken into his apartment, killed his girlfriend Alex, and stuffed her into a fridge. And he goes ballistic. The phrase refers to male superheroes, the women in their lives, dying in usually horrible ways for no real reason other than to motivate them to be better heroes. Uh, It is a really, really, really lazy, shitty trope. It is common in comics. It happens in other fields uh, and other media outside of comics. It's not unique there, but it is boring and lazy and stupid and and unnecessary. And we would all do well to move past it. And the Mm. fact that Deadpool... Did that and then the guy who made the movie defended it by saying if you've seen my other movies you know i like strong female characters that's crap that was a shitty way to treat vanessa and the fact that the end of the movie sort of makes it so that it never happens just makes it even cheaper and shows how lazy it is to fridge someone Mm -hmm. um this was worse than killing gamora by a pretty wide margin Mm -hmm. and i really it did put me in a weird headspace for the rest of deadpool 2
0: my only counterpoint, I agree with everything you just said. It's fascinating, the Green Lantern, especially because Ryan Reynolds shot the Green Lantern himself in the head at the end. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my only counterpoint is the constant failure of the Bechtel test. It actually, I think, angers me more than women in refrigerator because we have to hear it over and over we have to yeah. over and over again.
1: Yeah, I've actually gotten out of the habit of judging movies by whether or not they pass the Bechtel test or not because a lot of times it's essentially, it, it works as a, it, it works, it has the opposite effect of what you think because it judges movies and characters that are feminist and empowering by choices that are outside of the characters or the actresses who portray them's control. So I, I have really gotten away from ta- using the Bechtel test as anything it's an interesting thought experiment to think how many things do fail it but i think it's not the best actual critique of whether a film is feminist or not i i I actually Um,
0: am talking more about television like if i look at the cw same difference if i look at the first like four or five seasons of arrow the first two or three seasons of the flash when it's not like an immediate crisis you know when the flash women or the Arrow women are talking with each other it's always about men. And to be fair, the men are always talking about the women too. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, there are a lot of there're scenes where Supergirl talks to Alex about Monel, but there're scenes where Manel talks to Win about Supergirl. So
0: I know, but there's I'm, something I, about Supergirl and, and, and something about Melissa Benoist with the Monel relationship. At least again, I'm a season behind, but there was something about that again, her being from another planet, never having a relationship that, that, that was actually really interesting more so than a lot of these relationships. I don't know. That just might be me.
1: Well, I, I mean, we talked about it when we were doing Crossing Streams. Monel's portrayal and his character was a sort of atypical male in that right. he's not. You know, he's he's supposed to be a little jockish at the beginning, but he gets over that pretty quickly. And then he's, you know, he looks thin. He's not like some muscle-bound, jacked dude. He's not Jason Momoa. It looks like Paul he's, Rudd. Yeah, yeah, he's got more of an everyman kind of look to him. He looks thinner than mm-hmm. Supergirl does when they're both wearing the, you know, the muscle suits when they're in costume and fighting. Yep. So he look so his his look characterizes a different dynamic in their relationships. Mm. And look, people are going to talk to each other about the people that are significant in their lives. Mm -hmm. The the complaint people who follow the Bechtel test and really believe in it, their point is it's all the women ever talk about. Um, And certainly the problem is when you have a show like Arrow where you have very few female characters, period, Mm -hmm. there are very few opportunities for them to talk about anything Mm -hmm. with each other.
0: Um, All right. One quick observation about this. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick TV movie questions. We'll wrap up. But my, my one thing is, I knew it was coming with Vanessa. And I knew that you would have this criticism. And a lot of people would. And I, I'm sympathetic. But what's interesting to me, and what makes this both less annoying but also more offensive, is he didn't even talk about it in the rest of the movie. I mean, yeah. she dies. And it leads him to want to adopt this kid because they wanted to have kids. And so that's kind of sweet. But, uh, you know, other than the very end where he's trying to, like, bring her back from heaven or whatever, it was just bizarre. It was I'm not saying it's better than other women in refrigerator situations, but it was different uh, for me, at least.
1: I mean, what happens after was different, but the act itself was Mm -hmm. the same as Mm -hmm. 95% of the instances of fridging that we've ever got. Bad guy shows up. Bad guy kills girlfriend. Good guy is motivated. But it wasn't John Wick.
0: It wasn't John Wick. You know, John Wick was specifically about revenge related to his wife, essentially, with the dog. Like, that's not what Deadpool ended up being about. I, I didn't think they didn't fridge anybody
1: in john wick john wick is about a guy who is hurting because his wife died of cancer a year ago Mm. and these people kill his dog and he resolves to kill everybody and i will say in deadpool 2 i really like there's some line it's like written by the guy who killed john wick's dog or something like that which i thought was pretty funny Well, Um,
0: well, the interesting question is, is there actually a difference between the producer slash writers killing John Wick's wife to get a certain emotional reaction for the whole movie and the physical killing of Vanessa in Deadpool? Uh, I'm not sure there's a giant difference.
1: I I think there is because John Wick begins with his wife having died. It's fine to have a character who has loss in his past. It's the violent death. And it's always, you know, it's, get Barbara Gordon being shot through the spine and then maybe oh, yeah. sexually tortured by the Joker. It is Alex getting mangled and shoved into a fridge. It is the green goblin snapping Gwen Snacy Gwen Stacy's neck or, or throwing her off a cliff leading to yeah. Spider-Man accidentally snapping her neck. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the sheer violence of the death mm-hmm. even more than the fact that she died. I mean, mm-hmm. Look, one thing about superheroes, there's only like four reasons any superhero ever does anything, and the most common one is some number of dead people. Sure. You know, Spider-Man is motivated by one person's death, Superman is motivated by a whole planet's worth of dead people, and everybody else is motivated by some number in between one and a whole planet. So, you know, I think the solution is to have more uh, women superheroes as leads who are likely to have motivations other than a girlfriend who was killed horribly and yeah. stuffed in a fridge? Yep. I, know, I, I, yeah. No, it's fine. You know, I don't want to say don't use any trope ever. No. I'm saying vary up, vary up the, you know, create more diversity in the leads mm-hmm. and then their origins will naturally diversify more.
0: No, I, I want to close by giving you a, a couple minutes to talk about a couple things. I will say though, as you know, Brick Girl's favorite character is Batgirl. That's why she's called Brick Girl. And Batgirl got her into comic books and nerd properties. And we talk about the Killing Joke all the time.
1: Barbara Gordon one or Cassandra Kane?
0: She likes all the Batgirls, but she does love Babs. And we talk about Killing Joke because she hates women in refrigerator as much or more than me and you do. And she loves Barbara Gordon. But she also thinks the Killing Joke is a really interesting story. And so we're always talking about it. I guess what I'm saying is... it's how you do it you know and how you tell that story the fact that the killing joke had reverberations across the comic books is right. different than just like randomly killing a woman i guess you know what i mean even even if it makes us uncomfortable but okay let's move on real quick so matt really quickly Can i
1: tell a funny Killing yeah. joke story yeah. real quick uh-huh. um and i do want to throw in one point the killing joke has some interesting things going on my problem is that while there is this interesting character study uh, between uh, Batman and Joker, it's one of the best Batman Joker stories I think that's ever been written. The f- the the fact that Grant uh, that Alan Moore has so little interest in what happened to Batgirl, that's the problem I have yes. with killing joke. Yep. Um, you know, it I it's what's good about it is good in spite of what he does yeah. to Batgirl. Well, not I had I, I
0: had to jump in really quickly though. Brittany and i agree on exactly on that point but we also are fascinated by the handicapped character of barbara gordon who's still a superhero as you know wheelchair but
1: alan moore had absolutely no idea that was coming yeah whatever
0: you guys can google alan moore's politics and you make your own decision so
1: whatever um so here's my funny killing joke story so i went to this show in boston it was this live action show with like dancing and performance and it was called a dark night at the asylum and the plot was that uh batgirl and uh commissioner gordon tour arkham asylum and then a person playing dr strange uh, dr hugo strange yeah there's a dr strange in dc too that's weird brings out each character and then that character does their little their skit um midway through before the first intermission it ends with commissioner gordon and batgirl getting knocked out when the set the second half act begins only commissioner gordon is there and the guy playing the joker doing a very spot-on impression of mark hamill's joker says i don't know what happened to batgirl i guess she didn't have the spine for this encounter and everybody was like uh and then he stopped and then he goes i guess i'll have to reschedule that photo shoot and everybody (laughs) groaned and he was like oh please we know members of the Bat Family crack under pressure, and then he pulls out a piece of a Robin costume and blows his nose in it. Um, wow. This was the most comics literate jokes I'd ever mm. seen in a show of this type, so I, I gave him a lot of credit. Yep.
0: Well, I, I, I will just say again that you know you you've heard this, but I'm just saying for the Bizzelcast listeners. The fact that we could have a young Batgirl like Active Babs or one of the other Batgirls going, and sort of an older, handicapped uh, Oracle Batgirl at the same time is like a really cool about that character. So, if nothing else, that could be interesting. But yes, the way Alan Moore portrayed it was difficult to take, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I, I'm fine with a Batgirl movie. I would just, I want them to tell a story other than the Killing Joke because. Unless you're going to have it end with Batgirl not getting paralyzed, showing up and kicking the Joker's ass herself, I just don't think that story is salvageable. I don't I want it. It's-
0: no, this is yeah. the argument me and Brittany have. Brittany wants Batgirl to be the first handicapped superhero on the big screen, which I think is really interesting. I never really considered I think that's
1: before. a great idea. Yeah. I mean, even though, I mean,. We already have had a Daredevil movie so he's but she's like not. yeah
0: but like you know <laughs> paraplegic kind of thing. Um, right I think that's a cool idea yeah, but, but just, I personally want the young kick-ass babs back girl so we always have that discussion.
1: Right. Yep. I, I just if you're going to make her paralyzed just come up with something else. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be 100% committed to the lore. You can make up your own story. If you got to put her in a wheelchair just I I, I don't know have her fucking go to war and get shot in a war I, I just something other than what the killing joke is which is just an irredeemable story about a male author not giving a shit about a female character i'm, I'm sorry just give me something other than that
0: Well, the reason i want a young non-killing joke back, girl is because the best writing for young Babs is some of the best writing in comic books I've ever read in terms of yeah. hilarity and just quippiness. I mean, that's sure. why I was excited for Joss Whedon to do it, but I'm very excited they have a young woman doing it now, you know? Um, right. Whether it's Haley Steinfeld or not, Christina Hodgson, who's writing Birds of Prey and Batgirl supposedly, seems like she's got a lot of potential. So I, that's why I want a young Batgirl, just because the writing is, is potentially great there. So anyways, okay. Let's move on. So, Matt, we've got a long summer now. The main you know, network series are done. We've got a lot of shitty movies this summer, like really, really shitty. Even Jurassic World, by the way, which made a ton of money overseas, tracking very poorly in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I will just throw it to you. I don't want to divide between TV and movies here, especially because we've got streaming services, blah, blah, blah. So, what are one, two, or three properties that you're looking forward to over the next few months in, in any form? Sure. So Luke and, and, and Cage. by the way, it two- could be grotesque the way early Gotham seasons were. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right, so Luke Cage Season 2 just dropped on Netflix. We're recording this on Saturday, June 23rd. It dropped Friday the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched one episode of it, and it was good. I mean, I, I, I don't know quite where it's going yet. It seemed like the first episode was mostly setting stuff up for the future, but, you know, I... Like this cast, I like the soundtrack to Luke Cage quite a bit, and there's more good music in the first one. So, you know, I'm sure I'll be checking that out over the coming few weeks. Um, uh, The Expanse is having its two-week, its two-episode, essentially, network finale next week, uh, and I'm really curious to see how that is going to wrap up. Uh, I have started... I'm almost done with the first Expanse book, and I really, really liked it. Uh, So I'm really, I mean, having some fewer TV shows to watch means I'm probably going to do more reading over the summer. Um, And a lot of it is probably going to be spent digging into these books. Cool. Um, The fourth and final season of Twelve Monkeys is kind of, they're showing three episodes a night Mm -hmm. for – all of June uh, or a week for all of June, like every Friday. So I've been DVRing that and I'm Can sure I, I'll start catching up on I, it soon.
0: I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but could, do you mind if I just jump back to the expanse book really quickly? Because yeah. I also have it in both book and audio book form and, and I'm very curious about it. Sure. Um, so, you know, I mean, um, so, you know, I talk about how sometimes these exp- expanse, Oh God, these, these large science fiction books, you know they talk so much about the science fiction environment it just goes on and on and on what what is it about the expanse what was it about the expanse book that you found kind of worked for you better uh, than the usual like 9 600 to 900 page science fiction book
1: sure first of all uh, the corey guys i can't remember what their real names mm-hmm. are but there's two of them the two authors they're actually pretty judicious about delving too hard into long exposition about about like the scientific like validity of of their tech. They, they dole out that, that element of the world building in like real drips and drabs, just mentions here or there. Um, So you don't actually get bogged down with long descriptions about how their, you know, high speed travel system works or anything like that. There's not long discussions about the, the, the interplanetary politics between Mars and earth. There's actually more of that in the expanse TV show. Um, early on which is probably why the show starts as slowly as it does Hmm. Um, and there's more of a noir feel to the first book Mm -hmm. that i think they didn't quite get right in the first season of the tv show where miller's investigation feels more like an investigation and you're in his head because every other chapter is him as the pov character it kind of it's him, then holding, then him, then holding, then back and forth. Hmm. Christian Avicerala hasn't even been introduced yet. I don't think she shows up until the second book. So you really get inside each of their brains and look at how they see the world, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's still 600
0: know, pages, though, so they
1: must be talking about something. Pages. Yeah. yeah, they talk about a lot of plot. Like, season, the first book... Is the first two seasons or the first season and three quarters of the TV show? You know, I mm-hmm. can we get into some spoilers here? Yeah,
0: of course.
1: All right, the first season two of The Expanse begins with the attack on the station where the scientist is, where they're like studying the proto molecule, and Miller shoots him in the head. Um, and then the mid season break for season two is crashing Aero Station into Venus. The first book of The Expanse is basically, I think, I have not quite done yet, but they've left on the Nauvoo to go and ram into Arrow Station and try to crash it. So basically the first book is the first two seasons, more or less, Mm. of the TV show. Um, Mm. And so, you know, it's a long book, but there's a lot that happens. You know, the escape from the... um, The escape from Aero Station that happens at the end of season one is a good chunk of, it's probably like 50 or 60 pages, and it's very tense and very high speed. You know, they have a good, quick narrative style to them. Mm -hmm. uh, And so it makes it a lot of fun to read. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I have a final question that has to do a fun question that has to do with Star Wars but I want to give you a chance here to talk about any other uh, properties coming up that you're excited about to tell the business I mean cast. I'm
1: sure I'm going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp when it comes out in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks mm-hmm. uh, I'm not licking my chops to see it but I'm sure I will wind up seeing it mm-hmm. uh, I know you're a
0: huge Evangeline Lilly fan
1: <laughs> yeah right because I've done nothing but extol Evangeline Lily.
0: You know, I almost just said it's not her fault. That's, this is the effect you've had on me. No, I, <laughs> It's not her fault. We'll see. We will see. If she sucks, we'll determine whether it's her fault or not. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, um, final question, man because uh, yeah. I love ending with Star Wars I really appreciate you being on guys it's really late Maddie and I did this last minute um, I had to bail on him the other night because I'm moving my car broke down I've been sick and all sorts of stuff and I passed out at like 7 o'clock uh, so Maddie's nice enough to come on tonight so thank thank you Matt um, yeah. I will say this though man Very, I, I did sort of hint at this earlier so you did like The Force Awakens you weren't a huge fan yes. of Rogue One you really liked yes. Last Jedi and you're not interested yes. in Solo um, yes. we know Ryan Johnson regardless of, of disney's you know issues or not issues everything's being misreported left and right about star wars right now right we know ryan johnson's doing a trilogy so what was, what was it about the last jedi in particular that that you like that you think people should maybe be excited about even if they're not a star wars fan going forward um specifically with the ryan johnson trilogy
1: I liked that The Last Jedi had new ideas, Mm -hmm. even in a way that I didn't think The Force Awakens had new ideas. You know, I thought The Force Awakens, which I liked, was a remake of the original Star Wars movie. Uh, You know, what we call A New Hope, but it's not A New Hope. It's called Star Wars. That one. You know, and Rogue One did some new stuff, but the first half of it just kind of... It made it hard for me to get really invested in the second half, even if the Sklareth battle was awesome. But I liked that The Last Jedi had new ideas. It wasn't afraid to have new ideas that it didn't, that Ryan Johnson made a movie that had a point and committed to it. And it, um, I liked the complexity of Ray and especially Kylo Ren. I thought Mm. that was Kylo. I thought Adam driver's performance in the last Jedi is maybe the best singular acting performance of any of these new characters in any of the Disney movies that I've seen, star Wars movies that I've seen. So not solo. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I liked getting new stuff and I that if and I liked that it was humanistic. I liked that it stopped treating the force as these very binary oversimplified ideas of good or yes. evil and one bad act is all that it yeah. takes. I mean, we talked about this in our podcast. Yeah. You know, the the old idea of the force is that if you do one bad thing, admittedly a very bad thing, that's it. You're on the dark so- force, side of the force forever. You can maybe be redeemed, but it'll probably kill you. Which is kind of what the end of Vader was. Was he maybe achieved some measure of redemption at the end, and all it took was his life? Um, you know, I, this the last Jedi recast the force as something where you can always use it. Your morality was going to change over time. Your needs are going to change over time. And it's okay to feel negative emotions, which the original Star Wars movies are very against. The idea that having any negative emotions has any good positive, positive value. The Last Jedi was like, no, people feel anger. They feel guilt. They fear, feel fear and sadness. And all of that is fine. You can still be a Jedi if you feel bad about things sometimes or if you get mad about things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And considering most of us these days probably are mad or sad about something a lot of times in the uh, a lot of days of the year, mm. it's kind of refreshing to hear you can still be a Jedi feeling the way you do all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with all that and the fact that uh, – you know you could get so much out of a movie like that as someone who likes star wars but isn't a hardcore fan is what gives me optimism for the future is that <laughs> they can make movies like this it doesn't always i, I mean th- what's what's interesting is lesta jedi tracks g- great with some really hardcore fans and also tracks great with some very casual fans um right so for that exact reason so that was great man well thank you so much for being on um any last words for the bizzlecast listeners um, i hope we'll have you back on soon I mean, I made my last point is if there's one lesson
1: I hope Disney learns from this, Mm -hmm. keep making new stuff. Don't keep going back into the past and digging in territory that we've already been in because there are less people who want to keep going back in the past than you think. Mm -hmm. And people will come out for new stuff more frequently and with greater regularity than they will come out for stuff they already kind of – know about i I hope that's the lesson i take from solo is that was a movie that even you admit has a lot a lot a lot of fan service in it but if you're not somebody who cares what the kessel run is and i don't and i don't even really care why he has the millennium falcon in the first place there didn't seem to me to be any reason to want to see this particular movie so maybe next time disney keep making new stuff keep pushing this universe forward the past is dead. Kill it if you have to, mm-hmm. but move on. Yep.
0: Yeah, and just really quickly, you know, I, I think the major difference between, between Rogue One and Solo was that, well, Rogue One technically was about the Death Star plans. What made it interesting to the people that liked it was all the new characters in the new story, whereas Solo was characters we all know about and just fan service explaining all sorts of various things that happened that we already know happens. Exactly. So if you're gonna go in exactly. the past, give us new characters and new stories. But if you're not, then gonna yeah, it goes go somewhere totally. Also or should, pitch you know. it
1: as something other than just a trip back yeah. in the past. Like we talked about this off mic. Rogue One, the fact that it's the plot to steal the Death Star plans was not the central yep. gimmick pitch yep. during the marketing for Rogue One. Rogue One was a war movie mm-hmm. set in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And that I think interested people more than Here's the story of how they got the Death Star plans, because I don't think as many people are interested in that, It yeah. just yeah. sight unseen. Yeah.
0: I, 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 don't I don't care how they got the plans yeah. they
1: got the plans now exactly. they're gonna go have their space battle
0: yeah I, I don't know what other lesson disney can learn from a totally new gr- crew in rogue one making so much more money and getting such better reviews a- across all fronts than characters we supposedly worship like lando han and joey i totally agree with you so uh we'll see we'll see hopefully good for the future so thank you buddy for being on um as always uh do you want to promote any social media
1: uh, you can find me on twitter at @MattGoismanCCt. matt goisman
0: cct that's m-a-t-t-g-o-i-s-m-a-n-c-c-t awesome well thank you for joining me and um i'm sure you'll be back on a couple of weeks so we can do a giant aquaman update
1: <laughs> oh yeah i, I think we're going to be following the aquaman beat <laughs> regularly f- un- from now until whenever it comes out
0: Oh, it's going to be our whipping post for months. Jesus Christ. All right, people. Well, thank you for listening as always. And for now, the Bizzlecast is out.